And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. Welcome to episode number 265 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who definitely bought a pair of Lil Nas X's Satan shoe, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I actually just did. Yeah, I'm bidding on that heavily because I want... I want the Satan shoes. <laughs> you, you want to say you need that real blood. You know what? I got it. I, uh, I read it. I was reading. Uh, I think it was in New York Times and it's Morning. It's brilliant Green. marketing, by the way. Is brilliant marketing. I'm going to just throw that. It's out there. just like when you know Dr. Dre came out with with the Chronic and definitely wanted the explicit on there because you just get right. more sales. That's right. You get all the people that want to buy something naughty. Yep. And he is just... <sighs> and then you get all the people who are going to hate listen to it, basically, to because it's naughty or because it's claiming to be naughty. And then you get the people who are fans. It's, it's yeah, it's it's very smart. I'm trying to look it up right now. Here's Little Nas X collection. Here, Little Nas X. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the holiday official video. Is that the one? Is it, is it something else? What's it called? Do we want the Satan shoes? The, the Satan shoe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. The one with the real blood. There's only a, it's a limited edition. It's sold out. He's getting sued by Nike. I mean, it's just, it couldn't be more of a make some noise kind of campaign. (laughs) Satan shoes Nike. I'm looking at this right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He is brilliant. He is. Isn't it? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it, you know, he's being, he's being very naughty, uh, and absolutely, I have to imagine is self-aware that what he's doing is wrong. Um, and, you know, I mean, and I use wrong in sort of rock and roll quotes and italicies and all of that. Right. But it's it's it, it truly is very clever. Uh, the sneakers are priced at one thousand eighteen dollars, a reference to the Bible passage, Luke ten eighteen. Yeah. This is so <laughs> I mean, wrong on so many levels. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's what the shoe... Oh, my God. This is just over the top. Anyways, he's not the greatest musician in the world, but he's a master marketer. And and if you you don't know that, by the 700 renditions of... uh, What was the... Old Town Town Road. Road, That everybody had to be on there. Uh, It's just fantastic. Yeah, so... Yeah. No, I'm not going to buy any, but I'm... I really no. am going to follow what he does because he yes. knows what he's. M- maybe he, maybe, and, and and here's the next step. He's going to NFT it. Of course he is. <laughs> Why? Yeah, of course he shouldn't NFT everything right now because we're in an NFT right. bubble, and That's right. you can sell all kinds of. Except everything is everything NFT is selling except for our episode one. Right. That's exactly Fol- right. Well, folks, yeah. By and, the way, and, and yeah, yeah, but. And I just want to stand out on the front of the stage and go, and sing. Oh, come on. Hey, <laughs> everyone listening to this, by the time this goes live, I think there's only one day left in the, you can actually own the first episode <laughs> of This Old Marketing, which is yeah. from November of 2013. And if it doesn't go at the minimum, which I think is like 1500 bucks or something. By the way, it all goes to That's charity. to reserve it, though. No, if, if, if people start bidding on it, won't there be a winning bid? Yes, but that can, yes, or, we just need one bid, and the minimum bid is one Ether, which I think right now is actually right. 1800 bucks. Oh, I thought you could bid, but you had to, but to oh, reserve you could, it. You could you bid, to, yes. You, you could bid as low as anything, but you don't get it. That's right. So you can go to OpenSea.io okay. right now, and you type in this old marketing... Let's see. This old mar- see if it's there. There it is. This old marketing with our two wonderful faces. Minimum <laughs> bid is 0. 0.1. That's 180 bucks. And that's right. It has seen 72 views of 65 or which are me checking to see if anybody's bidding <laughs> to make sure it's not <laughs> misspelled. The sale ends April 3rd at midnight. So there's still yes. time to get in on this. And if, by the way, if it doesn't go, we'll try something else. But you might be right. 
people don't. People, it's not like Jack Dorsey's tweet that went for two point nine million dollars. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I, that I'll, I'll I'll just say about it quickly because we don't want this to become another NFT episode. But I was having a conversation with uh, with my friend Tim Walters, who is a listener of the show. So hi, hey, Tim. Tim. And 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 we uh, he said something that I think is just brilliant. Um, where and as I told him I was going to steal it. Basically, what we started we started talking about NFTs and all of that. And he said, "Look, NFT is a verb; it's not a noun." He said, "The the when when you think of an NFT, when you think of what gets created, it's the certificate, right? It's the certificate of authenticity." So you don't actually go look at an NFT. In other words, if it's a picture or a beeple or whatever it's going to be, you're going to go look at the beeple. And the number of people who are actually going to look at the beeple that has the NFT associated with it are is minuscule. So the whole value of an NFT where you look at the certificate and you go, ooh, I can see that it's changed hands three times and resold. Yeah, you're ooh, not you're not li- looking on the blockchain. You're that. not looking at it, right? There's nothing to look at. There's not there, there, there is nothing to look at in an NFT. It's like it's literally like, ooh, let's see the original uh, the original uh, Mona Lisa, and what and somebody goes, okay, I'm going to send you the original Mona Lisa, and what they send you is the certificate on the back of the frame that says this is an original Mona Lisa. It's like no, you're not looking at that. You're actually looking at a representation of that. And it's it, the there's contract. A, yeah. The so NFT the whole, by the way, the, the whole Winklevoss thing. Yeah. The whole Winklevoss idea of democratizing art and all that. It's bullshit. It's that's not happening. It's it's it's. Yeah. I don't know. I totally <laughs> uh, think it's happening because look yeah. at the number of artists that have are now making. Now, who knows how long this is going to last? We're in a little bit of a bubble, but there are a number of artists that were starving artists just, you know, a few months ago that are now have followings. They're making good living. People are buying their art and they weren't before. So you've, you, you just made millions of artists that were, weren't weren't doing anything before because of this whole NFT thing. And it's the collectability of it. You can actually, you, you have all these wonderful collectors and I'm, so I'm a baseball card collector of we've, as we've talked about, but you never knew if it was a fake you never, even if you looked at a certificate of authenticity, you never really knew because you can but, yeah, make those up as I, well. This is the one thing, first thing ever, where you can say I this, buy is that. Real, this is the real deal. I buy that, but the problem is, is that if you have that original baseball card, I can go look at it. In other words, you can take a picture of that original baseball card or I can show up at your house and you can pull it out in its lucite case and all that stuff and let me look at it and and I can experience the thing. Of course. I can experience the unique collectible thing. You can't with a digital NFT because the NFT is just the certificate. So by default, I'm going to be looking at a digital copy. Of course you are, but just like that you just like you listen to a song on the radio and just like you look at Exactly. But yeah, but what exactly. I'm saying, but yes, I don't understand what you're getting at. What, but it's still a thing, and people want the ownership of it. You want to say, "I own this," and it's well, it's just like anything else that's ever happened, except you can actually prove now that you own something. <laughs> I I I fail to see the the long term value of that. It it, it currently. I, now, to be clear, again, I recognize the technology. I recognize the uh, the usability and use case of the technology for sale of one of a kind things. Let's let's be clear about that. I say I I do not see right now the long term viability of this in the same way that I see the long term viability of you owning a one of a kind physical thing. I just don't. I just don't see. Okay, it. so here you go. This is going to be a thousand times bigger than anything you've ever seen from a physical standpoint. Anything. We, we like we are just scratching the surface at this point because of the, we talked about this the last time. You're going to see this happen with ticket sales, with resale. Again, I agree with that. You, I agree with all of that. I agree with all of that. You're going to because of the fact that you can actually prove now like let's say that somebody takes a Jackson Pollock and redoes it. You don't know. Like you have to be a pro's pro 
to see whether or not somebody actually recreated that that's not Jackson Pollock. You know how hard that is to do? You really have to know the art world. Today, you don't have to. You can go look on the blockchain right now and say, oh, match that up with the owner. And if you resell it, the creator of that NFT gets paid again and again and again, which is great for the artist. So there's never been anything uh, like this before. You can't do that with a. Yeah. You cannot do that with a physical object. You can't do it with a physical object. You can only do it with a digital object. Well, of course you can do it with a physical object. You can. I mean, you can. It can be certified, and it can be by experts, and it can be completely certified as a as a unique and real yes. version. And of how it. and how many people? How many collectors? How many art fans do you exclude from that process? It used to be. Two months ago, it was just, oh, you got to go to Christie's and you got to go to these big auction houses and you got to be in on the crowd. You don't have to anymore. You could be anyone. You could be anyone and buy any piece of art that well, you but want. That's not true either because there are plenty of art houses and auction sites that are not Christie's that are available for. I, I just literally bought my wife a beautiful, for her birthday, a black and white original photograph from a uh, Nat Geo photographer uh, of a whale. It's beautiful. And it's one of, uh, it's going to be one of five. It's certified. And so it doesn't have to be Christie's. I mean, the democratization of, of, of art sales is not enabled by the NFT. In the last three months. It, okay, here, let's just look at it this way. And I will find the number somewhere. But let's just say in the United States, how many people owned original art a year ago and how many people today own original art because of nfts <laughs> I'll, t- it's I'll totally off, look at that it's off yes. the charts it's off the charts because you you got and whether or not you consider nba top shots art you got two hundred thousand owners right now that have an nba well, top shot that, yeah okay but you know call Calling a clip, you know, calling Jack Dorsey's original tweet art is not. Well, I'm thinking that's about. I don't fair. Yeah, I don't know right? about the whole tweet thing. I'm torn about that, but I'm just talking right now about art. Like if you go to OpenSea's, OpenSea.io, and you want to look at all the collections that are on there and people that are creating a bunch of different things. Yeah. I mean, it's subjective, right? But it is art. Yeah. I, and you're bringing a whole new group of people because first of all you've got new new people coming in second you've got collectors like me that have always been collectors that now have confidence that this is actually a thing and third you've got multi-millionaires because of the cryptocurrency craze with a lot of money to spend well well that's i mean you know not to be completely trite about this but you know that also happened with tulips back in the 17th century as well so you are so Um, old man what is, <laughs> I can't yeah. believe when you're I talking am, about I am, you own Bitcoin and you're bringing this stuff up. You can't do no, that. No, 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 well, no. It's a very that different thing. It's fud. a very, it's a very, very different you thing. You can't bring FUD, incorrect FUD. You cannot do this. You can't bring I, 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 the kind of fear. I can that, and will, sir. I can. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Of course, I've had yeah. a lot of these conversations with with the same thing with Bitcoin, and I've been having for four years where people say, yeah. it's digital. Well, Bitcoin's you different. And I'm like, Bitcoin's different. It's a different It's a different thing. But it's the same kind of thing that's running the back. It's on the blockchain. This is the I same kind of technology. I, dude, I'm not questioning the technology. The technology is sound, and the, and the technology for digital certifications and, uh, and contracts that are built on this are far... Where it just I I totally agree we're at the beginning stages of this, you know things there I we were talking about I was having a conversation with my friend Tim about this uh, the other day where we said we start talking about the idea of how a student um, can build a smart contract now uh, for people who can buy shares of future earnings uh, before they go to college and basically instead of taking a loan they just basically get invested in in other words you sort of issue uh, shares of yourself before you go off to college, you pay for college with that funding. And then against, you know, a, a percentage of your future earnings as a, as a salaried, you know, professional, that's an amazing use of smart contracts and the, and the blockchain. I love that idea. And, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I, so I think the use case will 
fundamentally changed. Of course, I think the, of course the, it's going, the NFT yes. collectible thing is a fad. That's let me just to say it that like Man, that. I, I we I'm going to remember this episode because you I can't you were so wrong on this. It's, it's so hard <laughs> for me to keep my emotions in check on how wrong you are on this. We, I love let's, it. Let's just take I love it, it. Let's take it to a content creator standpoint, and then we'll get on with the news. The content. Okay. If we look at just content creators, this is the first time. And this is just the last couple of months I've been coming to this realization where, you know, yeah. you and I talk about this in Killing Marketing. I talk about it in Content Inc. about the different revenue sources for content creators, whether you're a media company, yes. whether you're a brand, whether you're an independent content creator. And now you have to rethink. There's three or four new, like if you look at creator coins and NFTs, people want to be part of these and have these more than just a relationship with these content creators. And you've got all these different revenue sources that are coming to the table. Do I know which ones are going to be lasting? No, but you're seeing people say monetize an entire community without having to drive subscriptions or, or sponsorships, which is amazing for content creators today. All right. But you're still that that's that I don't disagree with that. I, you know, I haven't said that issuing tokens is a dumb idea. I think the issuance of tokens and sort of, you know, what would broadly be called now, I guess, right today and, you know, in March of 2021, sort of loyalty currency, you know, not unlike, you know, it's a, it's a bit like um, making it very easy for content creators to create things like, you know, airline frequent flyer miles or, you know, which is ostensibly just issuing a currency, right? You know, frequent flyer miles or points or, you know, whatever it is you have as part of your business, you're issuing a currency that can only be spent within a confined area. And that confined area is quite frankly, big, like in an airline or in an Amex points kind of way, or it's very small, which is the points loyalty that you build up in a restaurant or a, a, a you know, your local uh, clothing store or something like that. Totally get that. I totally understand that. And I think that's a really interesting model for monetizing a community or an audience. Got it. It's not the same thing as issuing oh, no. a collect a digital collectible of a beat. No, here's the, and, here's the deal. When NFL comes out with Roger Staubach coming out on the field and you want to own that clip, I guarantee you're going to go gaga over it because you're going to want it. I don't, know. I don't care. You are going that. to want no, it. I, no. And by the way, it's ridiculous. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but this is big business for the NBA now. They've, they've sold something more like $300 million worth of top shots, which is the biggest by far of any NFT going on. And NFL hasn't done anything yet. You know how big it's going to be? NFL's more popular than the NBA. Going to get crazy. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Going to get crazy. <laughs> do we have any news? We'll like see. Again, you we'll made see. it. We do have. You we got lots this. of I know, I know, I know, I know. I opened up the Pandora's box here and and you and I went came right out like down a, on it. Like rare. Oh, top shot. Rare. Just say top shot. You mess with my NFTs. Rare. Top Shot, this is just from a couple weeks ago. Top Shot generated over 130... $230 million. Yes. I mean, this is... Yeah. They're bringing all kinds of new fans into this. This is I, You know, look, and, you know, yeah, and, you know, Charmin's making toilet paper NFTs. I get it. You're you going to have that. A bit, you're going to have that. That's why... The, that's Right. I think that's what people can't get because you are associated with the crazy part of the NFT as all NFTs. <laughs> you can't do that. That's like saying, oh, something from BuzzFeed. I does, can and will, sir. Oh, hey, they like something from BuzzFeed uses words. So it's the same as the New yeah. York Times. No. That's what you're saying. Good Lord, stop. Come with that. on. That's, no. Come on, Bob Cratchit. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right. What do we got? Let's get to the sure. news. By the way, fun football thing, just as we were talking about. We're, I mean, not that more people <laughs> needed needed more football here from us, but the NFL just announced this week that they are going to have the 17th game. And it's, I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, more football NFL is always good with me. So there you I go. hope they sell the tickets as an NFT. <laughs> if I, I will be the first one to buy one and put it up as my own collectible. If they do. Yeah, <laughs> NFTs are okay. Only the ones Robert approves of anything That's else right. is just bad. That boring. is correct. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. All right. All right. Let's move on to the news mm -hmm. here. We've got a couple of stories that we're going to pair up here um, on uh, something else we completely disagree on. 
social oh, audio. Sure, let's talk about um, this. This is, this is a good yeah, episode. Yeah. Um, so this is a thing, right? So social audio now becoming a very crowded place. We've talked about this a couple of uh, a couple of times on the show. Um, and the two news items that we will link to in the show notes, of course, the first one is breaking news pretty much just happened uh, like last night, I think, as we record this on the 31st. Um, Spotify delves into live audio with the purchase of Clubhouse Rival. Following in the footsteps of podcasts, live audio, which offer broadcast talk shows and conversations between internet users, which has taken off in recent years, Spotify announced Tuesday that it had acquired live audio specialist Betty Labs to serve as a development vehicle in the booming sector. Following in the footsteps of podcasts, this live audio, which offers all of these wonderful things, uh, Betty Labs launched in 2018 and has specialized in the niche. In October of 2018, they launched the app Locker Room, which hosts live audio exchanges about sports. Uh, the article goes on to talk about some of the uh, ambitions that Spotify has, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what do you think about this? Oh, you know what? Let me do the second do one, the which pairing. comes from yeah. Tech, yeah, which is TechCrunch. Um, and this uh, also just breaking uh, a couple of days ago, which is that LinkedIn now confirms that it is too also working on a Clubhouse rival. Uh, the article it opens up with says, Clubhouse list of competitors is growing. LinkedIn has now confirmed it's also testing a social audio experience in its app, which would allow creators on its network to connect with their community. Unlike the Clubhouse rivals being built by Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn believes its audio networking feature will be differentiated because it will be connected with users' professional identity, not just a social profile. In addition, the company has already built out a platform that serves the creator community, which today has access tools like Stories, LinkedIn Live Video, Broadcasting, Newsletters, and more. Goes on to um, explain a little more about the competitive space and LinkedIn's plans. So now here we go. LinkedIn launching a rival. Uh, Spotify buying a going to you know certainly launch some sort of live audio to compete with the sort of talk show nature of Clubhouse. What say you, Mr. Polizzi, to all of this? Well, I, I know you dislike what's going on here, but it's obviously a thing. I mean, whether you call it social audio or whether you call it programmable, community-driven radio on your phone, it's a thing, and it's happening, first with Clubhouse, and you've got Twitter Spaces, which, by the way, I'm more of a fan of Clubhouse than Twitter Spaces. I've been on Twitter Spaces a couple times. I, it, there's no... I mean, I'm sure they're going to work this out, but I don't know what people are talking about when I get on there. It's just like somebody's doing a Twitter space and you go in there and you check it out. I, like, I'm i willing to give Clubhouse a try because, as you know, I'm, we're doing the Content Inc. book tour on Clubhouse starting in May. Our, you know, We're kicking off with Michael Stelzner and then we're doing Ann Hanley and we're doing a bunch of other case studies from the book. Very excited. And by the way, if you would like to... Be in on that. Just go to Clubhouse and become a member of the Content Entrepreneurs Club. See, hint, hint, promotion on that one. I I think LinkedIn should just buy Clubhouse, but they're not going to do it because Microsoft's spending their money on Discord. But they should buy right. both. Uh, I like, if you look at, you know, we'll put this in the show notes, what I really liked in the LinkedIn sample that they show is that you see the name and you see their title and workplace below it. I love that. I love knowing who these people are as soon as I go in instead of just having to go by name. And that's why I don't like Twitter spaces because I don't know what's going on and I know more about what's going on in um, in Clubhouse because there's more like it's confirmed. And if you go to LinkedIn, it's even more confirmed. Uh, so if, if LinkedIn does this and they, they could do this really well, I like it. I think it's a thing. People, it's not for everyone. It's just like Twitter's not for everyone. Twitter doesn't need... Facebook numbers to be successful. So I know you're a big poo poo on the whole thing. So do you want to? No, I'm not a big poo poo on the. I am not a big. I'm not a big poo poo on the thing. Um, We've we've come to that. We've come to the. We've come to the fact that Joe and I are both seven years old, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So uh, welcome to the downfall of our show. Uh, Final show. I am not. Yeah, exactly. I am not uh, poo pooing the idea. I'm I am not a fan uh nor am I a big uh, nor am I bullish let's put it that way on Clubhouse. Um I think Clubhouse is fatally flawed. Um 
Yeah, and the funny why, thing why, is, I've been why? doing lots. Of, why you can't oh, just I'm throw about that to tell out there. you. I'm a, I, I can and will, sir. <laughs> so, <laughs> jeez, I will tell you why if you'll give me okay, a second. So, I, I'm work. I'm, I'm actually in the background. I've been really putting, and in, in, in all seriousness, I've been putting a, a, a good amount of thinking into this, um, which is, and I've got sort of two two ideas brewing in terms of theories about why I think Clubhouse is, is fatally flawed. The first is, I think, you know the original name of Clubhouse was Talk Show, yes? No, I did not know this. That was the original name of the app. And insofar as it is a talk show, a platform built for creators to broadcast um a you know a show a radio like show whether it be interview or one person alone or whatever it is i think it's perfect i think it's really that's what it should be and probably will end up being i think um it is a place not unlike a patreon or a you know or a uh uh you know medium which we'll talk about here in a bit where content creators can build an audience in audio of their 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 shows, right? You know, a, a a sort of alternative to podcasting, if you will, and make it call it you know call it live radio, call it not. And by the way, Tom uh, Webster has an amazing blog on this that he wrote uh, last week on the comparisons of of Clubhouse and and radio and social audio and that sort of thing, um, which I encourage everybody to go read. But um, it, it's to me, when I look at it as a so as a place to interact, um, which I think will be more of what you would expect on Twitter as well as LinkedIn, um, and I do not disagree at all that LinkedIn is a much better and more appropriate platform for this. Um, I think you're going to start to see it really bifurcate, turn into two things. Right, you're going to have the platforms that help you deliver shows which would be like where Spotify goes and where Clubhouse goes. And then you're gonna have those who truly embody the idea of collaborative social audio, which is where I think ultimate, I think Twitter gives up on it, by the way. I don't think Twitter Spaces is going anywhere. Um, But I think Discord for more consumer focused gaming, those types of things, and LinkedIn for more uh, collaborative social audio to uh, on professionals, that sort of thing. I think it's a. I think my current hypothesis is is those two things divide at some point, and I believe that Clubhouse will be a little bit left out in the cold because it just doesn't. It hasn't built its platform to be optimized for audiences. It's built its platform to be optimized for creators for that talk show format. It's what everybody complains about on Clubhouse, which is it's hard to find what to listen to. There's no guide. There's no the algorithm isn't good. I get too many notifications. It's a it's 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 a you know it's a bad place for audiences right now. It's a good place if you're a creator. And so if they can fix the audience experience, I think they might have a shot. I'm not confident that they can do that. I haven't That's heard my- the audience. I heard it with people that are new to the platform but once you're experienced in the platform you've worked out what you like you've joined the clubs that you like that do the regular programming i haven't heard the the problems that you're talking about i think people get it you're absolutely i think a small number of people get it because when i do that i don't look at people like you and me i look at people like my wife who is not going to go to the trouble of you know, massaging her follow list to make sure that it's exactly what she wants to see and what, you know, they just sort of expect like Facebook and Instagram for it to figure itself out. You know what I mean? Where where we, one of, and we talked about this a few episodes ago where we talked about this difference between, you know, the idea of the creator class versus the audience class, the consumer class. And on Facebook and Instagram, you follow your friends because they're generally going to take pictures and create stuff that you're interested in. And on Clubhouse, it's just not the way it is. The, 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 the much smaller creator class who are in rooms, making clubs, making content versus those who are consuming content. That's just a much thinner 
uh, strata. And so I think you're going to just, you know, it will become a niche player. And I think, I personally think, this is, you know, my humble opinion, is they made a mistake by widening it out as wide as they did. I think the real attraction of Clubhouse was the exclusivity that you got access to these wonderful, famous people. That's the that's the attraction is that I can actually go listen to stuff that isn't available anywhere else, right? I can go listen to Elon Musk. I can go listen to, and opening it up, I think giving it that sense of exclusivity, I think is what really gives us its value. I think the more it opens up, actually the less valuable it's going to become. Again, my humble opinion. Well, I mean, you might as well just be wrong the entire episode. <laughs> so that's completely fine with me. If All right. That's the way. You Very want. good. I, I, I think <laughs> if that, that's the way I, you want to play this, the way that I, from a platform standpoint, the way that I look at clubhouse is very similar to the way I look at Twitter. You have to work it a little bit to make sure that it's working for you. You have to follow the right people. You're not getting served an algorithm that you do on Instagram and Facebook, where they basically take all your data and figure out exact perfectly for you what you're going to want. And the robot has just seduced you and you're done. You actually have to work at it a little bit in Clubhouse, just like Twitter and setting up your feeds. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem that this might only be good for 10% of the population. I don't have a problem with that. They're still going to be a multi-billion dollar company and it's still going to be really good. Like we, I did a, I did a Clubhouse yesterday uh, with Gary Henderson. We just did a little Q&A. And we had, I don't know, like 80 people on it. It was a nice small room, had a couple good questions. And then the people signed up and they were they became members of the Content Entrepreneurs Club. It was perfect. And we, you just, from a content creator standpoint, you do that. And then the, the people in the audience seem fairly happy, hopefully. You just do that on a regular basis, just like you'd run any other content marketing program. Just know that you're renting space, just like you're renting space on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and everything else. So why does it have to be, yes, they're going to make it or no, they're not going to make it. Why can't it just be somewhere in between? It's it, just because you open it up well, to more people. Okay, fine. Fine. Yes. Uh, fine. I, you know, I, I concede that point that at some point they could become small and niche and, 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 and not be Facebook and not be, you know, that's a good thing, right? Size. We don't need another, yeah, we maybe. don't want another. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I concede that point that at some point clubhouse could become a, a, a very, a, a small niche platform for very specific things. Yes. I, I believe that to be true. And when I say I'm not bullish on it, I guess I'm not bullish on the hockey well, stick sort of, um, market domination category killer, that um, that a lot of people are are, are evangelizing. Well, and about the, the other so, thing for news, yeah. it's really incredible for news, and and I don't follow it this way, but I know I've talked to a lot of people who have. Where let's just say that you know we found out that the what's the what's the boat that got stuck in the Suez? Um, oh, the Evergreen, Evergreen. I think it's well, called. Yeah. So the boat yeah. gets stuck, and you know podcasts are going to take a while to come up and talk about this if you like the audio format well as soon as you heard that that thing got stuck there were 17 clubhouse conversations about it if that's what you're into there's no other platform right now that can do that unless you get on your own discord server you find a well, great yeah, home there for is what yeah, what? Yeah, there is. What is it that you can get in that it, kind of social audio type of format where you can listen to right away and have a, a conversation if you're not already in a group what what? Well, I, I'm, no, there the, is the, well, Discord is one. There, well, Discord is one. That's what I'm saying you, you have know. to be as par part of a group already if that's which. And and you and I know that there's most of the creators that are non gamers are still not on Discord. It's still a new thing. Uh, fair enough. Yes. So I mean, I just joined it a couple weeks ago. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and I mean, I'm old. I get that. But my, I, you know, my son is on ninety-five different Discord servers right now, so which yeah. I think is absolutely the future. So, what's when? Anyways, social audio, <laughs> blah blah blah. No, 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 don't, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to reframe it. You know. <laughs> I think that yeah. LinkedIn should buy Clubhouse and call it a day. Yes, agree. They're silly not to. Yes. If they're going to go after Discord. Be and and there's a lot of overlap there. Dis I mean, maybe Discord is some of their play with with audio. 
Well, but, I mean, and that's the and that's the key. They should just buy. They should just buy to get rid of it, so that so that there's no there's there's no distraction for do, the audience. They could do that because they can they can duplicate the features tomorrow. Well, they, I mean, the, if, the, if you look at the picture that's in the article, it looks like Clubhouse, except people have titles. That's right. That's it. And there's no right. And there's nothing to buy, you know, from Clubhouse at the moment because there's no great, amazing technology to buy. And you're buying honest, audience. The inter- yeah, you're buying the audience. You're buying. You're audience. buying. You're buying the. You're buying the hype is what you're buying. I know. I so. know a friend of mine that just sold their podcast for a bunch of money, and he has no revenue. They they're buying audience. It's it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a gold rush in audience acquisition right now. That's right. So Clubhouse Agreed. is at the top of the pack. I agree with that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm done yeah. with this one. I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm, did I good just day, say, sir? That, what did I say? Poo-poo? I said good I day. I said poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> E-commerce businesses are faced with intense competition to lure shoppers into their web shops. Once those shoppers have finally arrived, thanks to expensive marketing and advertising campaigns, the battle has just begun. Now you need to keep your shoppers engaged and interested, providing them with a shopping experience that is personalized and yes, fun, in order for them to fill their cart and check out, rather than bounce away to competitors. It's a tall order, and e-commerce businesses need all the help they can get. Enter Dialog, an AI-powered personalization platform that autonomously creates the ideal buyer journey for every shopper in real time. Dialog peppers the buyer's journey with highly engaging interactions. The AI engine meets the shopper at every point in the journey with personalized product recommendations and relevant content that perfectly fit the shopper's intent and browsing patterns to hit all the coveted e-commerce KPIs, increased average order value, conversion rate, time on site, and retention. Dialogue's secret sauce is its conventional and witty tone that engages shoppers and elevates their experience. Go to nowdialogue.com to check it out. Hey, before we get back to the show, Robert and I are super excited to discuss all things marketing and bring our listeners some fresh content every week. But we also realized a few months ago that we needed to consolidate all our previous episodes and make them accessible under one umbrella. So we're happy to announce that you can now find all this old marketing episodes on our newly launched website, thisoldmarketing.site, courtesy of our friends at Radix. And if you're looking to recap a previous episode, access an episode's show notes, or a deep dive into a specific branch of content marketing, head over to our brand new website and get exploring. Again, thanks to Radix and get your own .site domain today. All right, we're moving on to our next story here, uh, which is Medium. uh, This is the flip side of what we just talked about. Medium, uh, this comes to us courtesy, by the way, of the New York Post, uh, the wonderful journalistic excellence that is the New York Post. I, I, I kid because I love, nah, I don't really love it. Anyway, New York Post, uh, the headline here is Medium offers buyout to its entire editorial staff. Medium, the writing platform behind Jeff Bezos' explosive 2019 post, uh, claiming blackmail by a supermarket tabloid, is offering buyouts. What a weird way to open that story. Just uh, anyway, um, is offering buyouts to its entire editorial staff as it scales back its journalistic ambitions. CEO Ev Williams revealed the sweeping changes in a blog post on Tuesday while outlining a plan to reduce the company's investments in the digital publications it launched in 2019 and directing that money instead to the recruitment of independent writers. Williams also said that VP of Editorial uh, Shaban uh, O'Connor has decided at this time to transition is her time to move on. Uh, I know uncertainty and change are difficult, especially if you're not calling the shots, said Williams in outlining the changes. Uh, But he also said, I want to commend everyone on this team for just jumping into the unknown and helping us collectively learn and make adjustments along the way. Uh, The article goes on to talk a little bit about the uh, uncertain future of the platform and what's going on and a few other departures by staff um, based on this. So so now, what do you think? Is this just medium not being well managed or what do you you think? Well, they... Okay, if you, we've talked to how many years have we talked about medium and changing, you know, doing their pivots that they do. But yeah. if you're if you're looking at them investing in their own publications versus 
and having to pay an editorial team versus having writers be a part of the medium platform and medium just gives out a commission on the revenue they're already driving. Which one would you rather have if you're medium? Right. The right. second. Right. You, you want and, and medium should be should have been Substack. And medium missed. That's right. So, great point. So That's now they're point. going back yeah. on it and they're saying, oh, we missed the boat on this one. Mia culpa. What do we do? Okay, we're going to just get rid of all of our own publications and we're just going to get behind this, you know, creator economy, content entrepreneur surge that we're seeing. And that's so I think it's a good decision. I don't. Is it too late? I don't think so. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. They yeah. still have 73 million subscribers or something on the platform total. I mean, it's it's nothing small. This is a real thing. So I think that they probably are more successful with this pivot than the other ones because they're just saying, look, we will support you writers on our platform. And if they can make it a little bit more um, seductive, let's say, than what Substack is doing, then maybe they've got something. My problem is I don't like any of them. <laughs> I don't like I'm, I'm down. I'm down on Substack, on review, on Medium right now because i think for content creators and i i've talked about this on an interview the other day it's like training wheels for a writer and my apologies to anyone using these platforms but what i mean when i say that is is that you don't as a content creator you don't have to build your own platform you basically say oh substack's got all the tools that's great the problem is the Substack and Medium are so big that once you become part of a platform like that, it's very hard to pull yourself away. So you need to have an exit strategy. And a lot of content writers, a lot of, I can't say content writers, a lot of writers uh, don't have any kind of exit strategy. They don't know what their long-term plan is. They're just like, great, I want to be a writer. I want to monetize that. And I'm going to go to Substack and Medium. Yeah. And then you're stuck. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a really interesting discussion, which is if you're a content creator and and primarily a writer when we're talking about Substack and 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 Medium, um, although I'm sure you know video creators, audio creators um, are are taking advantage of those platforms as well. But I think you're you you make up a a really good point when you talk about this. What are you actually signing up for? As, you know what I mean? Is it the is it the easy to use tools, right? Is it the you know in other words, with four clicks of a button, I can set up an e-commerce site and have a platform to put my creativity, or are you signing up for the distribution platform that it is, um, and trying to get some level of attention for it? You know, we talked about I don't know, gosh two years ago on the podcast to how. Medium was going to launch this WordPress uh, competitor, yep. right? Where that was going to basically be, you know, for a, a fairly hefty fee um, comparison, um, you could get access to the publishing tools and basically build your own platform, right? Not, you know, not unlike a Substack-like uh, competitor, but only focused more on the blog world than the email world. And we talked about it, and we I think we at the time we went, this is a good move. This is an interesting move for them because it'll enable them to sell platforms to content creators who want to build their own business in an easy way but don't want to do it on, you know, still can't get over sort of some of the technical hurdles or, you know, the complexities of a WordPress implementation, which was still at that time, you know, relatively piecemeal, right? You either signed up for WordPress's, you know, concierge service or you sort of figured it out with your web hosting provider or whatever. And this would be a way to do that and get some level of distribution presence, right? You know, if you were really good, you might make the front page and that sort of thing. And it was sort of a combo of here's your enterprise tools plus having the front page of all the authors. And if you're really good, you can make the front page and all of a sudden get your audience sure. to get there. Yep. And neither worked very well, right? It doesn't seem like either of those ideas have worked well because as it turns out, people follow people, not the platforms, right? You know, so in other words, if you're a really famous, good, talented content creator, people are going to follow you wherever you are. 
Um, they're going to follow you whether you're on Instagram. They're going to follow you whether you're on Medium. They're going to follow you on WordPress. They're going to follow you on, you know, wherever you choose to create your center of gravity, they're going to get there, right? You're going to, you're going to, you're, you're, you're ultimately going to build your audience wherever it is you choose. And so the, I, and I think just exactly to your point, the whole idea of building that, uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of staff and building it as a publication is to your point, you know, it's much easier to pay people a commission on this than it is to actually pay for those quality people who can go do it anywhere they, they want. We covered last week, the New York times is now saying, Hey, you need to ask permission right before you go off and create your own platform. Why? Because those are good people, talented people who could theoretically weigh, what am I getting paid by New York times versus what am I going to get paid if I go off on my own? And they need to make, they need to, you know, figure that, that balance out. So as a business decision, I think it's the right one. I, I think it may spell the death knell of, of, of medium just because they're sort of directionless. You know what I mean? They, they just don't seem to really have a, a, a long-term strategy. Also, like we kind of talked about last they, week. They could theoretically just copy Substack and probably be fine. Yeah, there's enough again, content your, creators out there that they could be to your excellent. Yeah, to your excellent point about Clubhouse, be a small version of this, right? Don't you know, it's not going to be a category killer. It's just going to be a, you know, yet another platform for you to build your, you know, you know, and, and be fine with however many, you know, like Kajabi, right? You know, it'd be like a Kajabi type company where, yeah, they've got they've got a real business model going. And, you know, those content creators who are building le online learning platforms, it's a great platform. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't be so negative against it. I just don't have a good feeling for for both services, actually, where you are given a set of tools, and it's great if you don't know what you're doing, but at some point, when you're thinking about building a business around this, you, you need to know your stuff, and when Substack or, or a Medium changes the rules, you have no choice. They change their percentage. That's right. Sorry. That's right. This is what you're getting. But if you are independent and you have your own email platform, you can change your email platform at any time. You can change your credit card payment system at any time. There's, you know, dozens and dozens all over the place to do that. Well, that that's the problem I have. Spend a little more time up front building your platform out with the understanding that this could be a, a thing for you. This could be the way that you are going to build, find, build financial freedom, find financial freedom. But, uh, but alas, <laughs> there are thousands on both platforms that aren't doing that. And, you know, I'm subscribed to a few of them. They do a great job. Yeah. I'm just concerned about the next steps. And, and I, yeah. I, I see, I see too many uh, people doing side gigs and not. Yeah. Saying, well, it's that, it's that it's taking advantage of the hype of, of, you know, I mean, I think you said it well, which is, you know, it's this conflation of. What am I buying? What am I signing up for? Right? Am I signing up for the tools to enable me to have a business, or am I signing up with the platform because of the promise that they're going to give me access and reach to audiences that I wouldn't normally I think have? That's a, in the big case, it's that promise distribution that exactly, honestly I exactly found right. that you don't get. You, you don't get. You don't get. Right. So, in other words, if you're work. a content creator out there, choose the platform based on. Where do you want to work in, and where do you where do you want to build your you know your owned media audience, rather than which ones are promising you to you know fame and fortune because they can get your stuff in front of so many more people. Always have to do your own marketing. Exactly. It's just, that, it's just as it turns out, yeah. Just like <laughs> it's the same thing with anyone that's worked with a traditional publisher before, where they say we will help market your book. We have all these great books, and we have all these great connections, and we will help market it. And what they mean is, we are not going to market it at all, and you have to do all the marketing. That's right, traditional exactly. publishing, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. all the same. That's it. And I've seen all the new models that say, no, 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 we really do market it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of things that don't exist, like NFTs, um, <laughs> uh, 
It's time now for our rants and rave section. Uh, if we haven't already gone on enough of a rant or a rave for you in this episode, we have this empirically proven favorite part of the show where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we've just created an NFT or makes us feel like we've just failed at an NFT. Um, and let's see, do you, would you like to go first or shall I go first? Or you know what? what do you got? Well, you- I want you to go into your detail because I already took mine. Because we, I didn't know we were going this direction in the conversation, and so, so my, my commentary is from a TechCrunch article, and the article says, "Is Substack really worth six hundred and fifty million dollars?" And basically, they did a sixty-five million dollar Series B, uh, remarkable by twenty twenty-one standards, and the the article goes through how amazing Substack is, and we can't believe that they have that kind of evaluation, and. I was going to take it back to uh, the whole Substack thing really bothers me. Uh, first of all, the amount of money going on out there that, that these valuations are just getting out of control. Now, I say out of control, but do I mean out of control because of the fact that I don't know how... I think we've got more room to get even more out of control because of the amount of money, especially that... that you know, United States and other countries are putting in. And at the same time, they're lowering interest rates to even in some cases, they're going to get to negative interest rates at some point, especially on bonds, to make sure that we can keep this fake economy going. And that means that more dollars are going to be pushed in. And that means that you're going to have even higher valuations. That's my little side note on the whole valuation thing. The second thing, the second thing is, um, I already talked to you about the fact that I don't. I will do everything I can if somebody's going to sign up with Substack. I will do everything I can to persuade them not to. And I love. Oh, and by the okay. way, right. I love what yeah. Substack's doing uh, for some people. But if you want to actually build a business to a specific audience. And, and you have a specific consistent content message that you're putting out, whether that's in text and video or audio or whatever, I'm going to say do the work up front. Spend the month up front. Pick your tools yeah. from each of the categories and don't go to one of these all-in-one smorgasbord buckets that a year from now when you're successful, you're figuring out a way, how do I claw out of this deal? So that's yep. my... That's my tip. We've, I, so I don't. I'm, I'm repeating myself, Robert, which I don't want to. But I guess well, I'm that's stressing. Just, that's, yeah, that's Tuesday. That's, that's um, stressing. Yeah. That is this, <laughs> this is a th- but you know. Back to the you know. Then I'll at talk. least you're agreeing with yourself. I mean, so most of the time you don't even agree oh, with yourself. When you, but, well, <laughs> the 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 dollars thing is a is a real thing. So that that one. Yeah. That one. See, people say, "Oh no, we've got a we've got a bubble in real estate. We've got a bubble in you know Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. We've got a bubble in these NFTs." Well, of course we do. Because we have rampant inflation going on that nobody's paying attention to. And that's what happens when you have rampant inflation. I'm not talking about eggs inflation. I'm talking about real assets because people do not believe that the dollar is worth anything. And so you can't get anything off of money markets. Bonds are completely worthless or negative. So where do you put your money right now? You either put them in innovation-based stocks that are going to the moon right now. And we talked about that with the whole GameStop thing. Or you figure out other places to put it. A la art. By the way, I didn't. Did you realize that the best performing asset over the last 20 years is art? Did you know that? 18% per year, better than the SP 500. That's a fascinating stat. <laughs> You're like, I don't give a crap. Just go on. <laughs> All right. That's my thing. Yeah. Done. All what do you right. got? You have actually real stuff to talk about. So what? No, I don't have about? that. I don't have anything much more real to talk about. I mean, especially I, I feel like we've been a curmudgeon on this show. Um, we have the. Um, we'll see if it works. Do you think yeah. it plays? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it doesn't. But yeah, whatever. We'll see. Yeah, we'll we're see. gonna see. Yeah. Um, anyway, so my, I, I guess it's more commentary than anything else. So you know, I mean, so. Uh, 
you know Bob Hoffman, yep. the ad contrarian, yep. and um, and and I don't subscribe to his newsletter, but I do subscribe to Bo Sachs, um, which is a great newsletter, by the way, if you're into media. Um, we've talked about it on the show before, media and marketing and those kinds of things. And he sent out one of Bob's, as he normally does every so often when Bob has a missive that he throws out there. Bob Hoffman, if you don't know, is the ad contrarian, right? So he basically... He really just poo-poos all things marketing and advertising in the current landscape that we work in. And his latest is this blog post, and of course we'll link it in the show notes, and it's and it's entitled The Road to Reality. Um, and he opens up with a Kurt Vonnegut quote, which basically says, another flaw in the human character is that everybody wants to build and nobody wants to maintain anything, which of course is a quote from Hocus Pocus, Vonnegut being one of my favorite authors. Um, I recognized it right away. And, and he goes on to, in this blog post, and, and, and I guess I won't spoil the blog post entirely, um, but it's very Bob Hoffman in the sense that he's basically saying, you know, the, all of this belief that we have as marketers, as business communicators in creating the mythology of brand and that people want to have brand conversations and that we are, uh, you know, he calls it a fantasy land um, where we have this some misguided belief that the brands are far more important to consumers than they actually are and that nobody wants to have a conversation with the, you know, multitude of products in the refrigerator. And he goes on in this complaint that, you know, that says all of this. And it's funny and it's cute and it's, you know, and and it and it basically what it what I found myself doing at the end of the article is going, well, so what? Um, you know, it, and, and he even addresses that, right? He's like, you know, in, in the second half of his blog post, he's like, well, what's wrong with the fantasy, right? What's wrong with believing all of that stuff if we feel like as brand people? And he says, well, it's a problem because quite frankly, you know, nobody does care. And basically brand is more habit than it is actually belief in a story or belief in a, in a, in a magical thing or anything like that. And the real world is hard. That's his main point is that the real world is actually much more hard and, and much more, you know, cutthroat and, and, you know, and we need to just face that we need to face that. And, and his ultimate point is you just got to wake up and smell the Excel spreadsheet because, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, you've got to do all this. And, I, you know, it, it just, it's tiring. I'm, I'm tired of the trope that, you know, that seems to be the thing du jour that marketers ruin everything, that nobody gives a crap about our brands. Nobody gives a crap about what we talk about. Nobody, you know, we can't add value. We should just face the fact that we're, we, you know, we push numbers around and our, our focus is basically just to persuade people to buy things. And we shouldn't try to do anything other than that because it's all just a bunch of unicorns and bumblebees and nobody believes in any of that. And I'm just, it's, 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 you know, his, his, his post, I'm not ragging on his post in particular, although I kind of am, but it's, it's just representative of this tone that I see in so many blog posts where it's sort of the thing du jour to, to write this rant in a bloggy medium, Twitter, you know, uh, whatever, you know, platform to say how marketers are deluded with themselves, that nobody cares about what they do and, and that we're all ruining everything. And, you know, and the self-flagellation that we have and fascination with it as marketers to say that what we do doesn't really matter. Right. And and that we just need to be focused in on the business and focused in on, you know, making sure that the numbers equal persuasion versus cost of revenue versus this kind of thing. And I just I, I'm just tired of it. Right. It just made me want to rant because, quite frankly, I do believe that marketing helps to shape culture. I do believe that we can create art. I do believe that we have a bigger purpose in the on the planet and can have a responsibility for helping shape the ideas that are that are put forward. And I I do believe that. And I and I just I want to I want to just put that out there because you know one of the one of the things that he points to in this this you know this this uh, his blog post what Bob points to is that you know we're so far out there that uh, you know that basically. 
everything that is that is created that, that we call brand love or purpose or anything is quite frankly frankly just habit convenience or easy availability and that might be true right for the most part it might be true but my point is is that it doesn't it, it shouldn't stop us from trying to be bigger than we are it it should not stop us this idea that that business gets done you know he he uses the example and says look you know, if Nike disappeared tomorrow, nobody would care. No, nobody would care and everybody would get on there and put on their Adidas shoes and everybody would be fine. And that's true too, right? The, the, the amount of impact that the disappearance of any one particular brand would have on the planet is small, infinitesimally small. But so are most things, quite frankly, that we do as humans, that we would, you know, activities that we do as humans, including making NFTs and art and all those things. If Kanye disappeared tomorrow, the world would go on just fine. If Steven Spielberg disappeared and his entire film, you know, oeuvre would disappear tomorrow, would, you know, the world would be fine. We would all get along fine without most things. The idea that we can't produce culture, the idea that we can't produce valuable ideas in the world as marketers and advertisers is just bullshit to me. And so I want to just, he, you know, his whole thing is, you know, he calls bullshit on ad. I want to call a little bit of bullshit on him. So that's my that's my rant. Well, first of all, he's he's marketing himself. Um, of course, just of like course. just like little Nas with his Satan shoes. He yes. always takes the other side, and it's he's done really well. I've, I, and don't I don't because disagree you're with talking that. Yeah, one you're, bit. You're talking of about course. It. The other thing, he's, yeah. The other yeah. thing. I mean, to, and to your point, the other thing that I would mention is with traditional marketing. Yes, most traditional marketing and advertising stuff, you could just forget about it and it would be done. But the the one thing that you and I have talked about in many workshops, we get up there and say, well, what if you took all the content that you create for your customers, for your audience, and you put it in a box and you shipped it out? Would anybody notice? And most marketers would say, no, nobody would care. That's the problem. Because most of us aren't trying to make an impact on the lives and the pain points of our audience, and that's what we need to focus on. If we do that really well, we will build loyal, trusted relationships, and we will be able to get into some kind of a commercial relationship with them. That's content marketing, right? It's what we talk about. So that's why I fell in love with content marketing, because I thought it was a better way for humans to communicate with each other, and it's a better way to sell without selling. He doesn't know anything about that type of marketing. I don't think he's ever done. I mean, I think that's I think that's I think that's probably right. Yeah. Um, I just you know when I when I see him you know because he he rarely I mean you know look his his whole shtick is to be a curmudgeon right is to is to complain yeah. about what what is going on in the world of you know uh, uh, branding and and advertising and, and and all of that and I get that and it's a good shtick right it's you know it's sort of like. Um, you know, some of the comedians out there that, you know, have a, you know, have a shtick that, that's similar. There's no point. You just complain, right? You just complain about things. This one, he, he and, and actually, you know, he says that this is different for him. He says something different today. And this one, he actually does have a point. And the point that he makes at the end is he basically says, everything we do as marketing and communication people should be analyzed through a hard-nosed assessment of real-world consumer behavior, not the rosy lens of traditional brand and marketing thinking. And I just disagree with that. I just I just fundamentally disagree with that because I think that's what perpetuates the marketers ruin everything idea, right? If we look at everything through the hard-nosed, you know, non-rosy lens of brand and creating value with content, it all becomes about it's you know today's sale is ninety nine ninety nine. You know what's a great Get point today. You know what's a right. great point and why you're right with this one. Unbelievably, you're right. <laughs> and the reason why is yeah, Steve yeah, Jobs would have never been Steve Jobs because he did not look at the numbers. He looked he 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 thought about things of what people would want that weren't created yet, not what they would ask for. Yep, and that's why we have the iPhone. Yes. So, he sold a culture. Yeah. He sold a vision. He sold. And that's what yeah. I think you're talking about. Where sometimes it's best not to look at the numbers in those cases. Yeah, you shift. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've I've said it. I've I've said it. You've and, said it. You've said it. I, and I can said and will, it, sir. And you said it again in a different way, <laughs> yeah. and you'll say it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get this thing over. It's done. <laughs> done. Yeah.
Uh, where are you this week? Uh, well, the reason why we recorded this early is I'm taking my son down to see some colleges. Oh, that's right. So we're doing that's college right. trips. Uh, hopefully he'll pick one soon. So we're going down to see the University of Cincinnati in Kentucky, and uh, and we'll we'll go from there. But uh, but the big news uh, is next week on Tuesday we formally launched the tilt. So I hope everyone can't wait. Hope yeah, everyone so wait. go to the t- it's free. Go to thetilt.com and subscribe. You can get our very first newsletter, which will probably become an NFT at some point. There we go. But yeah, so yeah, very, very exciting. We've been working for months on this, so it's wonderful to see that actually something. Yes, and I have some sneak previews, so I I can vouch for this that it's 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 just going to be be. it's going to be it it it, you know it's just wonderful. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Thank you for the support and you, sir. What do you yeah. have going on? I, you know, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I've said it for the last couple of weeks. We've been really busy with client work, um, and it's been a great start to the year. So I'm just knocking on wood Sweet. and, and have, you know, doing a ton of writing, doing a, a, a ton of uh, a content creation, uh, both for clients as well as for, you know, just myself. So, yeah, it's a busy and it's beautiful weather here in Southern California. So all is good. All is right in the world. Perfect. That's awesome. Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. All right, folks. Well, that is it. We are signing off of this wonderful episode. Best one yet. <laughs> if you want to get the best one yet. If you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes or dive into any of the other 264 episodes, well, just head on over, won't you, to our shiny, wonderful, amazing website, thisoldmarketing.site. Uh, we want to, of course, thank the great folks at Radix for helping power our thisoldmarketing.site. You can get your own .site domain with the good folks at Radix, so go check that out. But until we meet again, just remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. <laughs>